We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Thank you, Rick Camp. Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse. This hour is brought to you by Blaine's Farm and Fleet. That's Bruce Levine out at Wrigley Field. I am Barry Rosner in our downtown studios, the Hyundai Studios. At the Prudential Building. Bruce, before we get to your Theo Epstein moment from this week on 670 The Score, let's squeeze in a quick phone call. Marty's been holding for quite a while. Marty in Sheboygan, you're on Inside the Clubhouse. Hey, Marty. Hey, guys. Um, regarding Chatwood, you know, I, I I agree it would be great if you go out there and say the bullpen, pitch a couple more innings. But, you know, as Bruce said, if this is your number five guy, um, sometimes that's what you're going to get. And um, to think that he's he's not trying to do that, I guess it's, you know, he, he, he's he been around baseball long enough, big lead like that. He's telling himself, I got to go through strikes. He's not getting it done. So it, at that point, isn't it on management or somebody to make a decision and say, okay, we got to make a change here then. Let's get somebody in here that can throw strikes to send this guy down to the minors. Doesn't that make the impression? Um, you know, I, I it happens all around baseball, and just because a guy has good stuff or he was a good pitcher at one time, you know, we as fans, I think, sometimes get this delusional idea that, you know, hey, here's this guy that, you know, should be better than what he is, and we want him to be better, but there's a reason they're a number five guy. There's a reason that they struggle. There's a reason they only go five innings. Thanks for your call, Marty. Yeah, Bruce, it's a good point. Yeah, I mean, Bruce. Uh, but I, I th- the, the money convolutes things. The years committed yeah. convolute things. The idea that he was brought in with a 270 ERA from the games that he pitched last year on the road compared to a 6 ERA at Coors Field. All the metrics were there that he was going to be a better pitcher, harder to hit, certainly away from Coors. I think that's all going to play out. Uh, the reality of uh, command and uh, – that uh, he's not a 15 or 17 game winner, you know. Again, he has the stuff to be better. Uh, can he command it better uh, down the road? Probably so. I, I think he's going to be fine. If he wins 12 or 13 games, uh, Barry, that's going to be a, a big win for the Cubs. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, I understand what they were paying for in a number five guy, but again, he walked more than four twice in 25 starts last year. It's happened five times in seven starts this year, including some walks to some guys who are really hard to walk yesterday in the Chicago White Sox lineup. I just know this, Bruce, from being around the game for the last 30 years, that I, I can promise you there were there were veteran fielders on the Cubs team and probably a veteran manager who were th- who all of those guys thinking to themselves yesterday, it's the top of the third, it's five to nothing, you're facing a really bad team, the weather is terrible, we're standing around out here, and you're walking the first two guys in the third inning. Or in the fifth inning, you're, you know, with one out, you're walking two more guys with a six to one lead. I guarantee you that's not something they were enjoying very much. Sounds easy, but apparently more difficult for him to accomplish. No question so, about it. So, so uh, we have uh, 
Theo Epstein uh, this week was on with uh, Dan Bernstein and Connor McKnight, our great midday show, talking a little bit about uh, certain topics. Uh, the, the one that was national news that was going on the previous week or 10 days was the fact that uh, people were suggesting that the Chicago Cubs should trade a combination of Addison Russell and somebody else for Manny Machado, who is going to be available between now and the trade deadline because he's a free agent after this year, and the Orioles are going to want to get something good for him before he walks out that door. That being the case, uh, Theo Epstein was asked about additions of possible players like Machado, and uh, here he was with uh, Dan Bernstein and Connor McKnight. And uh, there, there's significance in that, and that means that they're not going to be putting out controllable players, Barry, uh, for uh, Manny Machado, who you're not going to be able to sign uh, most likely bef- if you make a trade. It's, it's highly unlikely and almost impossible that he's going to sign with any team that he's traded for, eschewing the idea of being able to talk to all 30 teams uh, by November and make himself a bundle of money. Why limit his market? So the idea that the Cubs are going to pick up a guy like Machado for a one uh, for a four or five month rental is pretty much by the boards. Well, here's what strikes me about what Theo said. What what first comes to mind, Bruce, is that Theo Epstein is not going to tell you what he's going to do because he's not in the business of giving away his playbook to to 670 the score or anybody else in the National League Central or anybody in baseball. I think we so, pay him enough that he should. <laughs> well, it's a it's a nice concept in theory, yeah. but Theo is not going to tell you what he's going to do. And well, he's he also told you, he told us what he wasn't going to do. Right. He's but, not going for he's not giving up the assets uh, that are controllable for a, a short rental. That's for sure. So, yeah, and in the past he has said things and then changed his mind. Or at with, least with, Chapman's really the only exception here. Well, I'm just saying, Bruce, in general, he has said things and then done something different, which is his prerogative as the, as the GM, and that's the kind of thing that he's liable to do. I'm not saying he's going to trade for Manny Machado, but he's not going to telegraph for you what his intentions are. The reality, of course, is that if they were going to do something like this, it would have been done before the season because then you've got the full year and you might be more willing to give something. I think the mistake Baltimore made was not doing it before last trade deadline because you're really coming too close now to can, to, ex- to expect people to give up considerable value. Well, but, you, you have, a, uh, you have a, a big mess in uh, Baltimore where you have both the general manager and the manager in the last year of their contracts. When does that ever happen? Okay, that that's just, you know, that's both guys are going to be gone after this year. They have one of the worst records in baseball, and they're trading, as you said, Barry, uh, very, uh, you know, exact and and precise. They're trading from weakness now rather than yeah. strength. I think that was a huge mistake. I mean, uh, you, it's uh, much like the Sox are facing with uh, Avi Garcia and Jose Abreu in terms of a timeline. If you're going to do it. You do it this year before the trade deadline because you offer people then two months plus the playoffs plus a whole nother year if you want to get value in return. But well, as for Machado, uh, I, you know, look, uh, he's going to be traded this summer. So the question is, what are you willing to give up? 
If you're a team like the Cubs, you'd have to know, first of all, that you're going to be able to sign him. And as you pointed out, that seems unlikely that Machado is going to waive his opportunity to go into the free agent market and be bid on by most of the teams in the game. But it's not impossible to make a deal like that, even for the Cubs, because that's a player they'd really like to have for August, September, and October, yeah. and the and the first week of November, assuming that it that it goes that far. But you know what? It's harder to uh, to quantify because with th- with a guy like Chapman, it was easier to quantify that the Cubs had a, a real need at the end of the bullpen on an extraordinary team yeah. that uh, was was going to be rested and ready to go and be able to watch him and, and make sure that they get to the finish line. With a guy like Machado, you, you already say, said, you know, the Cubs are going to be at the top or near the top in runs scored. And I agree with you at the end of the season. Run production is not a big problem, I don't think, for the Chicago Cubs going down the line here. You get people like Contreras going now. You get people like Russell going now. Uh, you get Rizzo going, who had the worst month of his career going now. Uh, I don't think that's a big problem. Sure, you want to you want to add a superstar like Machado anytime you can, but how is that going to you? You add him. Let's let's say he'll take the ten year, uh, thirty three hundred eighty million dollar contract from you. How does that skew paying Bryant and Rizzo in, in two years? Bryant in three years? Uh, how does that skew what you're paying your other superstars? How many thirty million dollar or thirty five million dollar players can you have on one team? Well, if you continue to win World Series, you you're you're willing to do it. No, I don't think I don't think you're going to be willing to have a three hundred million dollar payroll and and getting busted out every year by Major League Baseball for going over the, the uh, soft cap. I, I don't think that's going to work for Mister Ricketts. I think they're going to have to stay within a framework of, you know, the two hundred to two hundred and twenty million dollars that uh, allows you to. Uh, to build your team properly and, and not go over. It's a, it's a, it's a new day in baseball. Everybody wants to stay under that. Well, that's going to be really hard to do if you intend on keeping your core. I mean, they, uh, they have, the good news is they have plenty of time. The good news is they have three and a half years on most of these guys. And in some cases four before they have to worry about it. I'm sure Theo's got a plan for all that. If he intends to be here beyond, uh, beyond four more years, but Bruce, the, uh, you know, the, the the fact is is they're they're going to be swimming in money. I mean, when you add in, are you still assuming they're going to get a huge TV deal? I don't know how huge it's going to be. I don't know if they're going to have their own TV network or not. Uh, it looks like they are, but I I don't know that the money is going to be the same as they thought it was going to be two or three years ago because of the ever changing world of cable television right now and people getting uh, all of. Uh, the the things that they want to watch in a different way than just from cable TV, so it's uh, it's going to be a, a little different process. They're going to get a lot of money. Uh, we're going to know by October, Barry, at the very latest, whether they're going to go ahead with their own station, or are they going to join back with the, the group that they they've been in with the White Sox, the Bulls, and the Blackhawks. So we're we're going to know within a short period of time if that's going to happen. Bruce, I think your points on, on Machado are all very well taken, and it it is it has not been the policy of this organization to give up controllable players for rentals, generally speaking, unless they believe that piece can win them a World Series. But I wouldn't put it out of the realm that they would be interested in Manny Machado. I wouldn't put it out of the realm that 
that, you know, as they look to see, let's let's just put ourselves at July 15th, and the Cubs are atop right. the division, and they're going to be looking for bullpen help, of course, as they always are. But I wouldn't put it out of the realm that they would be sniffing around a guy like Manny Machado because you get – you what, get that, what are you going to trade him, Barry? You get that you you start to get that feeling like, all right, you know, th- this is good. We're very good. What do you what do you why, have to trade? Why not be better? Why well, don't you know? Again, I don't know where they're going to be in July. No, ter- I mean, no. Tell me, you know, besides Russell, okay, that would be an obvious. I can't one, tell right? you what Baltimore is going to want in July or what the market's going to bear at that point. Yeah, I can tell you one thing: they're not going to trade Elzale, their top young pitcher, in a deal like that. Uh, their their job toward the future, they still feel is building that pitching cachet first and foremost. Now, your points about Machado being a difference maker and being a controllable player for a long time, well taken. I mean, nobody wouldn't want Manny Machado. The White Sox still want Manny Machado. They'd like to have the opportunity to sit down and talk him into a 10-year deal. Uh, that would be the signature player the White Sox would love to have going forward. They, talked, they were the first team to be mentioned uh, in the offseason about Manny Machado and uh, about the chance that they would go and get him and be the the guy, the, the type of guy that we talked about earlier in the show, Barry, along with Abreu, that people would look to for leadership on that team that would be around at age 26, 27 for the next 10 years to be the face of the organization. White Sox will not be afraid of adding a player like that either. Bruce, we got to take a quick time out. We have some people on hold want to talk to us. I have a question for you about Kyle Schwarber, and we have some White Sox issues we must delve into as well. Bottom of the hour, Mike Montgomery. We'll do all that next on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce Levine live at Wrigley Field. Barry Rosner here in your downtown score studios, live from the Hyundai Studios. This is Inside the Clubhouse with you for about another 35 minutes. Hope to have Mike Montgomery, bottom of the hour. Bruce, you want to take a few calls? I do. Uh, the Cub lineup is in. And uh, Baez at third, Bryant in right, Rizzo at first, Contreras catching, Schwarber in left, Russell at short, Almora in center, Boat playing second base. Interesting, Baez and Boat. I think that uh, little bit of... Uh, Problem with the groin that Baez had uh, the other day, which also occurred during spring training, might have pushed uh, Joe to put him at third base rather than at second base. Less movement over there today and put Boat at second. That's uh, That seems a little bit odd. If you're really worried about it, would you want him out there in this weather at all? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's something that's just been a little bit of a, a nuisance for him, but nonetheless... Um, He's, uh, he's down some people. You know, you have Hayward on the uh, DL, and uh, you are uh, looking at putting Hap on the bench today, not using him. So from that perspective, uh, we're going to find out from Joe in probably about 45 minutes or so, maybe an hour, uh, why, uh, why Baez at third and Boat at second. Sounds good. We will uh, wait to get that information from you. In the meantime, let's go out to the phones, and Jennifer in Des Plaines is on the score. Hey, Jennifer. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call, guys. Thanks for calling. Uh, I just had a, I've been thinking a lot about this Manny Machado situation. And if Theo Epstein has showed us one thing, he showed us that um, culture in the clubhouse is incredibly important. So it's not just about who's available and how good they are, but how they fit in well with the team. 
And I wonder if that's an aspect that's kind of being overlooked in terms of if you're going to pick somebody up for the next 10 years, how well is that person going to fit in, like, in the culture of the Cubs clubhouse? And I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. Thanks for the call, Jennifer. Well, I think Bruce, uh, his if if they were to do something like that, and no one's suggesting that's actually going to happen, but if they were to do it, I think the 40 homers a year are going to fit in pretty well in your clubhouse. And besides which, uh, Aroldis Chapman was liked by pretty much nobody when he was here, but he helped him win a World Series, and that made everybody happy. Yeah, I, you know, again, uh, I, I think her point is well taken. Uh, we've never heard anything but glowing reports about Machado as a teammate. Uh, he did, with the Orioles, force the issue this year of saying, you know what, I want to play shortstop. I've been your all-star gold glove third baseman, but my I want to play short. And uh, they acquiesced. They allowed him to play short. Um I, I don't know if you come to the Cubs and tell them what position you want to play. If he comes here and he says, you know what, I'd, I'd love to play third base for the Chicago Cubs. Well, we already have a uh, all-star that might be headed toward a Hall of Fame career playing third base. So you do have to watch for some of those things. But, you know, the Machado talent is unquestioned, and the age is certainly uh, something that's Really intriguing for people knowing he's going to play at 26 and 27 next year. I remembered how good he was when he first came up at shortstop. And I, you know, given given some of the injury history and as well as he played at third, I was surprised that he wanted to move back. And I'm also surprised, Bruce, at how good he has looked at yeah, short. No, he's, I, he's excellent. Uh, and, you know, it's it's not a mistake. But again, uh, what, what Jennifer brought up is true. You want to you want to make sure you're bringing in somebody that's not going to try to control a clubhouse that is under great team control uh, rather than individual control. You know, he's been playing for a team uh, last year that had a bad year. This year they're going to be uh, maybe as, as bad as the White Sox and the Reds are going to be and the Royals and a number of other teams that are in the rebuild or tanking mode, whatever you want to call it. Um, from that perspective, uh, you do want to make sure that you, you're not bringing in somebody that's going to try to change the clubhouse. All right, Bruce, let's get to a uh, Rick Camp scoreboard update, and then uh, hopefully we'll be joined by Mike Montgomery. Then we'll get back to the phones right here on Inside the Clubhouse. Bruce, as uh, as we were talking earlier about the lineup, uh, I, have, uh, I have this comparison for you. Tell me if you think this makes any sense in regards to Kyle Schwarber. I was looking at the numbers for Nom- Nomar Mazzara who is 23 years old and is, of course, a left-handed hitter. In his first year in the big leagues, 78% of his at-bats were against right-handed pitchers, 405 to 111. He had a 791 OPS against righties, 548 against lefties. 19 of his 20 homers were against right-handers. Similar, almost identical numbers last year. And again, 19 of 20 homers versus right-handers. This year, though, 67% of his at-bats are against righties. He's getting more at-bats against lefties. His OPS is all the way up to 878 against lefties versus a 914 OPS against righties. And three of his 10 homers are against lefties. As you compare it to Kyle Schwarber, who in his first year hit 14 of his of his 16 homers against righties, and his OPS in 75% of his at-bats being against right-handers, 
OPS was 953 versus 481 against lefties. No surprise. Last year, he missed his second year. Last year, uh, 80% of his at-bats were against right-handers. 27 of his 30 homers against right-handers. OPS of 814 versus 648. This year, the percentages are going up. It's up to 83% of his at-bats are against right-handers. That's 81 against 16. An OPS of 1,000 against righties, only 488 against lefties, and all seven homers against righties. But in terms of the number of at-bats, Bruce, it's trending toward even fewer in terms of percentage against left-handed pitchers. Um, And I just compared it to the the Mazzara thing. Now, Texas obviously not in a position where they're trying to win the World Series, but I guess it comes down to this. If you're going to get better as a left-handed hitter against left-handed pitchers, you have to face them, don't you? You do, but, I mean, you you also have uh, Hap in the same situation. You have a guy that hits from both sides of the plate that Joe Madden wants in there on a semi-regular basis as well. You have Zobrist, who, when Hayward's in there, is fighting for time over there. He's not going to push Baez off a second base any longer. So you have have three guys that you want to play in left field most of the time. Uh, Hap plays a little bit of center field, but is, you know, probably better uh, in left at this point defensively, not really an accomplished defender uh, either side, but trying harder and getting better. From, from Still all, not very good in center field. No, but, uh, you know, but you, you have a lot of different things that uh, Joe Madden wants to do out there. So it's so with with Schwarber, who has a, a 398 on base percentage this year, uh, you're you're going to see him probably against mostly righties, and and that's going to be a, a lot of the time. You're you're not facing left-handers very often. I guess I just you know, and again, Texas in a very different position, and they don't have all the options that the Cubs do in terms of finding places for guys to play, which is a great thing if you're Joe Madden. It's not a great thing if you're Kyle Schwarber. I guess my question, Bruce, is how are we ever going to know, or how is he ever going to get better? if he doesn't get that opportunity? Well, uh, it's a good question. I I don't have the answer for you because there's other people to serve. Uh, One thing about Joe is loves the the individual conversation about players, doesn't really care about what people think (laughs) as far as uh, how he's going to get better because in his mind he's already better than he was last year, and and he is, uh, just by the way he's being handled. And he has other axes to grind with Hap and Zobris. Zobris has been a productive player when he's healthy this year. So uh, he has an awful lot of good choices. You know, that, that's a, it's not a, it's not a number one thing for him, but it's certainly a, a fair question that you ask about a Schwarber because you want him to be the complete star player that everybody envisioned uh, after his uh, first half year in the major leagues in 2015 after his uh, World Series heroics in Cleveland, this was a guy that everybody thought, oh, you know, put him down for 40 and 110 and playing uh, every day and getting 600 at-bats. That's really not the case right now. Yeah, and I don't, Bruce, I don't pretend to have the answer. I don't. I, don't... I expect that from you, Barry. You've been, you've been around this game a long time. You've been writing outstanding columns, winning Lissagors for a million years now at the Daily Herald. Um, I expect these answers from you. Where well, else can we go? Well, I mean, if you if you were asking me what I would do, 
then I guess I would I guess I would start talking about playing Elmore. I mean, look, I've wanted Elmore on center field every day for a long time for for you know the, almost two years now. So there's your answer for center center field. As for left. I mean, I, I would have been playing Schwarber more, I guess, to try to find out and then start thinking about maybe moving him if he's not going to be your everyday left fielder. Right, but what do you do with Happen Zobrist? Pardon me? What do you do with with Happen Zobrist? Well, again, you got to make a decision on who your guy is going to be out there. And, you know, I know he, I know he loves Zobrist, and I know that he that he wants to try to find room for him. And this year he's been good. Assuming health, this right. year he's been good. Uh, like I said, I don't have the answer for how you get them would all in. Have, but I, would you have had sent Hap to the minor leagues if you were managing this team? Right now? Yeah. And they gave me the opportunity? Yeah. Probably. Okay. I mean, I, I'm not. I, I'm on board with you. I think that Hap has a, a huge future ahead of him. Yes. I think he still has a lot of player development that could – some of it could be accomplished in the minor leagues, especially on defense. I think um, – he has to uh, continue to work hard to get better there. I, he has put a lot of hard work into it, but he's not there yet. Um, so if, if he's a average to below average outfielder and he's striking out way too much, I would say I would agree with you. Three or four weeks in the minor leagues is not punishment. It's part of player development. Yeah. No, no I don't think here. I, I, I don't think it's a terrible idea. And again, look, I it's tricky for Joe to work all of these guys in at the same time. It's very tricky. But I guess the, you know, here's the point I'm trying to get to, Bruce, is there's a larger question here about whether long-term you're really committed to Kyle Schwarber. And defensively, look, I know he made a nice throw yesterday, but in in terms of fielding the position, he's bad. He's a bad left fielder. I mean, it's, it, watching him. He's better. Is he better? Yes, he is better. He moves better. He throws better. He takes better routes. Is is he going to be a great outfielder? No, uh, he's not going to be a great outfielder. Is is there a solution to that? No, there, there really isn't, other than the fact that uh, you're, you're going to hopefully get more out of his offense and he loses you on defense. But I, I think I think he's better. You're a nicer guy than no, I am. No, it has nothing to do with it. It's just on the eye test of what I see – I see a guy that can go into the gap better, that's taking better routes. Now on balls that bounce in front of him and, uh, you know, you know, balls that are going to be more difficult in bigger ballparks, like when you go to the National League West or you play in a, in a cavernous uh, park on the road, that's a, that's a different challenge. You know, Pittsburgh is a challenge in left field because of all the ground you have to cover, uh, the deep left center field that that uh, offers uh, on a daily basis. So, yeah, I, I mean, there, he's not going to be great out there. I think he can be adequate. But, uh, again, it's about the run production and uh, the OPS that's over 1,000 right now. Bruce, lots of people on hold want to talk about this very conversation. So let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get to the phones right here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Welcome back in on Inside the Clubhouse. That's Bruce Levine. He's live from Wrigley Field. I am Barry Rosner, live from the Hyundai Studios in downtown Chicago. Bruce, you want to go to the phones? Yes, a special treat after... um... Inside the clubhouse is over. You and Steve Rosenblum till twelve forty-five. Is that correct? That's a treat for who, Bruce? That's a treat for the listeners. Ah, you, you know the uh, saying on his show, don't you? 
Uh, he has a lot of sayings on his oh, show. Yeah. Many of them you can't say on the air. They, you guys will suck, so other people do not have to. I, it's, it's a great policy it and is. one that makes a lot of sense. So, And that leads us up to Cup Baseball 1245 with Zach's pregame show. And then Ron and uh, Pat take you all the way. Sox and Cubs today on the score. How's the weather looking, Bruce? It's looking good. The tarp's off the field. Uh, the tractor's out there uh, getting the ground on the infield uh, straightened out. And uh, I don't know, but it appears we're going to have um, BP. Uh, somebody is going to take BP because they're setting up the mound with the proper mat and the guys working around uh, home plate right now. So good news. That's an upset. It is. That's Very an upset. Good news. B- live BP on the field today. I would I would consider that to be an upset. I, I agree. Let's go to the phones, Bruce. Tom on the northwest side is on inside the clubhouse. Hey, Tom. Hi, guys. It's always a pleasure hearing you on, on Saturday morning. And Barry, you're an extra extra treat. Thank you, Tom. I uh, just was wondering uh, what you thought about the uh, the weakness of you, Darvish, mentally. And uh, the fact that uh, Theo blew it uh, not getting Jake and also that uh, he blew it on uh, Justin Verlander and uh, Garrett Cole. Thanks. Well, for, okay. Thanks for your call, Tom. I guess it's a little early to say blew it. Uh, Dar- uh, Theo was on, of course, with Dan Bernstein and Connor McKnight, Barry, on Thursday. And if uh, Zach is with me, uh, he talked a little bit about the concerns about Darvish and uh, what uh, is transpiring with him pitching on Tuesday now. Well, Bruce, I think uh, there is a significant difference between Lester and Darvish in that Lester had a dead arm that he tried to, you know, he was going through the dead arm period. Yeah. He tried to pitch through uh, that. He was and, actually injured in spring training. Yeah, he, pi- he pitched through it, hurt himself. And then rather than, you know, probably take the necessary amount of time, he then came out in the season and tried to pitch when he probably wasn't ready to. Uh, what do you think about uh, nurse mating uh, a veteran pitcher? That, that's what they're doing right now. Obviously, they'd rather have him pitch Tuesday in Atlanta than Monday here. Um, he's only had two really good starts out of the six. Uh, your, your thoughts? Well, I think it's kind of embarrassing, but you do what you got to listen it's about putting the position in the best player to succeed, and if right now that's the best thing for the Cubs, then then that's what you do. Um, I, I'm 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 stunned actually that there have been there have been times this year when you Darvish couldn't finish an inning with a big lead, or you Darvish couldn't uh, couldn't finish uh, you know. Finish an inning when he was when he and and started walking guys when he had when he had himself a lead. I, some of those uh, some of those are pretty surprising. Hey Bruce, we have Mike Montgomery on the line, so let's get to him right now. Let's go out to the score hotline where we're joined by Cubs pitcher Mike Montgomery. Hey Mike, Barry Rosner and Bruce Levine on Inside the Clubhouse. Uh, hey guys, how's it going? Good morning. Uh, you know, we're having discussions about the team. Uh, right now, you guys have been getting a lot of work in the bullpen. Uh, but uh, from the perspective of, uh, you know, teammates uh, analyzing, I guess uh, it's it's all for one, one for all. You know, we're, we're, you're not going to be breaking down other players. We understand that. But what, what do you think the pitching's at right now for the team? Uh, I think we've been doing a great job. I mean, I know those guys – 
in the bullpen have been pitching a lot and you know i i feel like i haven't pitched too much but um you know i i know it's such a long year that uh those opportunities will come but uh i think we've done a great job i mean we've had to deal with really bad weather to start the year and you know we finally got good weather now and uh, i would definitely say that we've done a good job as a group Mike, is it difficult to get into a rhythm as a team, not just a pitching staff, but as a team when you have as many cancellations and as much terrible weather as you guys have seen through the first five, six weeks of the season? I think, yeah, during that stretch, it, it was kind of tough. Um, you know, two days in a row, I think, what, four total games that, that we have canceled. Um, so it was a little challenging, but – um, I think now we're kind of past that. I mean, I know we have these makeup games coming up, but um, I think just in any season, you know, you kind of have that getting into the rhythm um, aspect that you have to, to go through no matter what the weather is. And, you know, even, you know, for me, and we, we were having some talks about that not too long ago about just getting into that rhythm, you know, and, guys routines um you know how you feel and getting used to um just pitching you know for me and pitching in front of crowds and being able to control you know your adrenaline and, and different things that it takes sometimes a little you know a week couple weeks to get used to that and and be able to uh you know just that rhythm of the season Mike Montgomery joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Rosner and Levine for just a few more minutes, and then Barry joins Steve Rosenblum until 1245. Mike, uh, you've been on some great bullpens, uh, in great bullpens with the Chicago Cubs since you joined in 2016 on the mound as they won a world championship. How do you look at this group and the versatility of, of what you see from this bullpen this year? Yeah, I think it's just we got so many different aspects you know uh, obviously with Moro and, and CJ you know having pitched really well and kind of being those back in and Strope you know Strope's versatility is is really awesome you know because he's got unbelievable stuff and he can go an inning or you know he can go multiple innings too and uh and then you know C C-Shack's been you know unbelievable this year and I mean he's obviously really good and you know i was with him in seattle and he was our closer then and you know so he has that experience as well and you know brian dunsing uh has been unbelievable this year as well you know kind of being that lefty i know it's been kind of him and c-shek uh that have been that righty lefty combo a lot and then you know with myself kind of being that long guy but really can do any type of role. Um, and then we've had that other spot where we've kind of had that, you know, shuttle to those guys, but you know, all those guys that have come up have, you know, I thought performed really well. So I, I mean, it really is. It's, it's been fun to, to see because everyone, you know, kind of brings something to the table and, um, you know, we have fun down there and, uh, you know, it's, I think just going to be to keep this up. It's, it's been a good month, month and a half for us, but we got, you know, another, you know, a long way to go. 
Mike, you've let it be known in the past what you want to do, and I don't think anybody blames you for wanting that. It's it's the natural thing at this point in your career. How do you handle the challenge, though, of your daily job and what you have to go about doing, knowing that there that you still have other goals? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's been a challenge, but I think what it came down to was just understanding that um, – yeah, you know, I want to start, but at the same time, I got to be in the present moment and be ready to pitch for this team right now. And uh, otherwise, you know, it, it might perf- affect my performance. And, you know, just, just doing some work on, on the mental game and just understanding that, you know, I got to show up every day, work on my craft, and be good at, at pitching, you know. And, and whenever that comes to be, that will that will come to be. And I think – just channeling, you know, all of those maybe frustrations into me getting better as a pitcher has uh, been my mindset of as of late, and so I, I think that's uh, helped me. And uh, yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at right now. Mike, we appreciate you taking some time out uh, before the game today. Keep up the good work. Uh, always a pleasure seeing you in the clubhouse, and I'll see you down there in a few minutes. Thanks for joining Barry and I today. All right, thanks. No problem. Thanks for All right, Mike Montgomery of the Chicago Cubs joining us in Inside the Clubhouse. Barry, uh, it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. And uh, we thank Mike. We thank Zach Withers for producing the show. People can uh, follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. I write on the website 670thescore.com. Every day, White Sox and Cubs stories. This is a big weekend to do that. And I will look forward to seeing you out here in uh, maybe an hour or so. Yeah, Bruce, I'll see you. Hopefully I get there by about the second inning. Keep a spot warm for me. I'll bring you some lunch. It's time for thank yous on Inside the Clubhouse. Zach Withers, thanks for your great job producing today. Thank you, Rick Camp, for the updates. Thanks to Mike Montgomery for joining us. Thank you for calling. Thanks for texting. Most of all, thanks for listening. We certainly appreciate you being here with us. Stay tuned now for me and Steve Rosenblum right here on Sports Radio 670, The Score. And uh, don't forget, hit and run tomorrow morning at 9 and every Saturday morning inside the clubhouse at 8 o'clock right here on 670, The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.